I think there's two approaches we have with everything. Horse people are probably more prone to not self-evaluate but to compare. And really what we should be doing is how do I get better? Am I getting better on my level and not compared to Jamie Lynn? Am I, am I better than Jamie Lynn? Right. The Mustangs are almost easier once you gain the trust. Really? They are because you don't have any screw-ups. You don't have something from somebody halter breaking where they let him get away with, you know, X, Y, Z that you have to fix. But just to trust what I'm doing, that's something that's been really hard to grasp. We teach it every day, every lesson. We teach it to our horses here. You know, you ask them to do something, they understand it, and then you stop and you trust that they retain that for the next time you go work with them. Well, here we are at our 10th episode of Taking the Reins, and I hope you're enjoying it. And if you are, Please like and follow the podcast and consider hitting the bell so that you'll be notified when new episodes are being released. Right now, new episodes are released every other Friday at noon. So please be on the lookout and consider telling your friends who you think may enjoy our content. Today's episode features 2014 Mustang Makeover Champion Taylor McIntosh. Jamie Lynn Gilt also joins us, and together they operate Elevate Horsemanship in Vincent, Alabama. Their complimentary styles of training and philosophy made this a great conversation. Welcome to Taking the Reins. From Mississippi State University in Starkville, Mississippi, this is Taking the Reins podcast. If you love all things horses, get ready for a relatable and educational look into the lives of horses and the people who love them. Now here's our host, Clay Cavender. Do you want me to be real? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's exactly that's, what this I This is candid as it <laughs> Yeah. Let's just talk horses. Yeah, for sure. But you brought up a good question. When I walked in the barn, I started, she, he said, can you teach feel? That is something I preached and discussed and kicked the can. So what, what do you think? I think you can. But I'm one of those rarities that if I teach hard enough, I think anything's possible. There are other opinions. And I... In so the you're long very run, positive. I am a positive yeah, guy. Yeah. But in the long run, I'm probably just developing it. You know, so is it in there? Yes. I think everybody can have it. It's just how hard do you want to work to get it out? And you don't think you can? I don't think you can teach it. I think you can develop it if it's there. But I don't think that if somebody just doesn't have it, that you're going to be able to create it. Yeah. So I'm pessimistic like her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think it could be up to a point. Right. So this is what I say in class. I, I work with kids all the time. I'm sure you do too. But I've worked with college kids for 23 years. And you try to teach them something. And it comes so natural, so easy to you. And you're like, what the heck? That's feel. They aren't getting it. You can teach them the movements. You can't teach them to be good at it right and but, so i kind of think about like basketball player i'm six foot two two arms two legs but i can't play basketball like lebron no well that, that's a different level <laughs> what what i'm getting at is a you feel on play a, basketball <laughs> i can just imagine <laughs> i'm talking a, a feel on a smaller level no you're not going to go out there and ride like andrea it, it's not going to happen overnight even if you work a million hours probably not going to get that good but you can get enough feel to load your horse on the trailer correctly. You can get enough feel to change a little bit in your arena and then still be able to get the maneuver. And that's, that's what I'm after. It's just those little bitty deals. Most of the public we work with are not professionals. That's right. You know, so that's, that's who I'm trying to teach are the lower down deals. We're not trying to be LeBron. Right. We're trying to get the ball in the hoop. You right. know, just, just get right. there. So that's where I think I see little spurts that it, it looks like it's possible maybe they got feel now jamie brought up an interesting point basically on the way over here she said but when they get home and you're not there in the ear do they still have it well you're not chirping at them right yeah so is it my feel coming through as i see it well do they have the feel or that's partially the knowledge but partially the feel of what to do or adjust when somebody's not standing there telling you what to do or adjust taking direction versus yeah. i think about like when you're riding i'm not saying that i'm andre vapani by any means but i can tell like one of the things i do in one of my clinics i did i taught one friday night and this is the most simplistic exercise but 
we put a log on the ground. I tell them, okay, walk over the log, but I want the left front foot to go over first. Now you got a 50-50 chance. <laughs> the odds are good, or there's a lot of, there's luck involved, or there's a skill set there. And it amazes me how many times they're like, I got the correct one. Nope. Because they don't know where the feet are. They, so they don't know where if you is. can't tell where the feet are, how can you tell that his right shoulder is pushing out a little bit more than his right. left or his hips blocked out or it's yeah. you know yeah and we say that all the time in the clinics you know if you can't control the feet you can't control the horse well if you can't feel the feet you're not going to know where it is and we do an exercise where we partner them up and they'll go around the arena saying now 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 mm -hmm. when the left front is about to step up and they'll focus on that one foot and i get them to sit in the saddle not look around not looking down, just focusing forward and have your partner say now, now, and you pay attention to your body. What do you feel? So to me, I'm able to teach feel. Now, does it stick? Like Jamie was saying earlier, not 100%. You know, when you don't have that partner in there, is it going to go away? Yeah. So can we teach it? Can we not? It's still life's mystery. Hey, it? It's a great compliment to, <laughs> to you though. If you, you're pessimistic in that approach and you're optimistic, I, I do think we have to be like, the positivity that comes forth is going to really resonate with some people, obviously, right? But um, again, I, I can, can relate more like to you. I was teaching in Germany one time, and I got done with this clinic, and we were sitting around eating because we, we stayed there four days, and we ate dinner with these people and whatnot, and they had an interpreter follow us around. And oh, that's awesome. It was cool, but they, these women were talking, and in German. And so, I, and, the, and my interpreter starts laughing, and I said, what are they saying? And she said, they're just talking about how much they enjoyed your clinic. They said you're their favorite clinician they've had. Huh. And I kind of puffed up like I'm somebody. That's right? awesome. But I said, why? And they said, because, not because I'm good at anything, really, but because I was like direct with them. Right. I was like, this is, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. Right. Quit doing this. Let's do this. <laughs> Whereas in an American clinic, a lot of times you it's, be you're positive. doing a great you job. You try to exactly. do the same feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah you, save, you do save feelings a lot, but you still have to get results. Right. If they go home at the end of the day, they learn five things, I'm happy. You know, but that that's like drinking water out of a fire hose. It's it's tough to do. You're not around it every day. It's it could be intimidating and you know, I remember going to clinics in the beginning and going, what in the world are these people even talking about? Sure. Compared to going now and thinking, well, I've got everything this guy's got. Oh, I, I learned three things today. You know, so the more you go, obviously, the more you're going to get out of it. And the positivity of the clinician is, it isn't a negative thing. He's not trying to kiss your rear end and saying you're doing great. He's just saying you're doing better than you were. You know, right. that, that's, that's what we get. And I've learned a lot from mentors, and that was one thing. One of the guys always preached to us, 1%. If you get 1% better every day with you and that horse, well, in 100 days, what do you have? Perfection, you know, so, which is probably not correct. Well, you can't get that 1% every right. day. There's right. a plateau there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's a good approach, too, because, you know, what we do as horse people, I think there's two approaches we have with everything. Horse people are probably more prone to not self-evaluate but to compare and really what we should be doing is how do I get better? Am I getting better on my level and not compared to Jamie Lynn? Am I, am I better than Jamie Lynn? Right. You know, that's probably not a self-attaining type of goal. But No, no. But, you know, that's, that we just sent a horse home the other day, and the lady was, you know, kind of complaining. Well, he's not doing X, Y, or Z perfect. And we both looked at her and said, do you not remember where you came from? Right. Like, this was, this is night and day different. You have to look back to be appreciative. And it's our it's our job to be mad at our horses for not being perfect. <laughs> yeah, you see the big picture. I do. It's always funny. I think people, more people I talk to you about their horse story. A lot of times it's not planned. So when you say, "How'd you get here?" and a lot of times I don't know. We have a direct answer. It's kind of the <laughs> happiness is probably not the right thing, but still, like there's a lot yeah. of uniqueness to it. So That's what's your is. unique story? I was born into it. My grandpa had racehorses. My mom was barrel race and rodeos, and um, my dad a stock contractor. My stepdad a colt starter, and somehow that kind of stuck. I like seeing those young horses develop. And then I went on to do real life stuff, get real jobs because that's what you're supposed to do when you grow up. And 
I just never was happy with it. So I just came back to it and put everything in it. Here we are. So all your eggs in the horse basket. Yeah. And, he, it's and an she awful told idea. me earlier she's from Florida. I think it's the first person I met that's from Florida. <laughs> yeah, they moved there. Yeah, right? they all moved there. You know, originate from somewhere else. But that's that's cool too. I think that's unique that you're from Florida. What about you, Taylor? Uh, Jamie hates this story because I was riding bulls, and she hates to hear that I was riding bulls because she wouldn't date that dumb guy, you know, that that would do that. But I was riding bulls out of the city, and it was just a fun thing to do. And then a, a friend of mine was training horses, and I thought, well, that, that's a profession. I had no clue. And then I wanted to get into roping because the bull riding it career, you get to a certain age, you go, this is probably isn't the best idea in the world. What was it a tragedy to bull riding, though? I, I don't know. Just to I was, something I was inside. at a local rodeo. I grew up a city kid, so you drove through Birmingham today. I mean, that, that was my... My hometown is Helena, Alabama, so it's a little Mayberry city place in the suburbs. Rodeo came through town, and a friend of mine that was on my wrestling team was there, and he has entered in the bull riding. And he said, you want to try it? You'd be great at it. You're short. You're stocky. You could, you're quick. You could do this. This is perfect for you. And so my brother ended up signing over my guardian paper saying, yeah, he's mine. I was 17 at the time. And they let me on a bull and it, it stuck. And the third one I got on, I made money. That's where it went wrong. Okay. When I made money, I thought, well, So you, is, repos you opposed this opportunity and immediately got on one. It wasn't yeah. like, a, I need to think about this a little bit. There, if you let's think about it, you're not let, doing let's, it. Let's so practice a little bit. <laughs> Why would you think about that? You, you just, just get on. I just got on. They needed an extra guy is what they needed. And they just needed to fill a slot. So there I was. And. And did you stay on? No, I didn't stay on. <laughs> I, was, I was off like a sack of potatoes so quick. They opened the gate. They opened the gate and there I was. I mean, we, we even had a friend we called Latch at one point because that's what he hit on the way down. He never made it past the latch. Okay. So that, that's what I felt like that night. But then it turned to the roping side of things. And I wanted to learn how to ride. So we contacted Al Dunning. And that was my first horse lesson was out in Arizona with Al. And he just looks at me, whatever you're doing, stop. I had no clue. I mean, I'd been on a few trail rides and ridden with buddies and all that stuff, but it wasn't truly riding a horse. I was sitting on a horse. So, so you went from bull riding, actually, you went from city board, let's get on a bull to ride with Al Dunning. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, my childhood idol taught him how right. to ride a horse. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny that you bring Al Dunning up because yeah. I had a student year, 23 years ago. I taught a little junior college, and I had this student, this guy, um, man, I can almost say his name seemed like plain as day. He was a cattle kid, kinda. Yeah. Had no horse background, did not take any of my horse classes, but he hung out around me and I kinda knew him. And then, you know, three or four years after he left this little juco, I went to Texas A&M, I was there. And anyway, I see him at the World Show. <laughs> so what are you doing? He's like, uh, well, I'm riding horses with Al Dunning. Yeah. I said, well, how did you, I'm confused. <laughs> and he said, I saw his name in, a, in the Quarter Horse Journal. Yeah. And I just called him, and the first thing he said was, just come on down on this ride. Yep, that's what he told so me. That's, yeah. I, have, I don't know the man personally, yeah. but I have a lot of admiration for him because you're the second person I've heard that oh, yeah. he just opened his doors and said, come on down. Wide open, and I went for 10 years straight and, you know, go for a month or so and just hang out and learn and work and show and just a blast. And one thing about Al is he is so good with the amateurs that it's, it's not funny. I mean, he surpasses everyone in that realm of he can make you better he is the ultimate teacher you know it's it's one of those things you watch a lot of these tv trainers and you think they're good no go work with al you'll yeah. see and he's he's not the overly positive friendly guy that really i would have thought just the opposite well, well it's it's like you clay he's going to tell you the truth mm -hmm. he's friendly about it mm -hmm. but like those first words he said whatever you're doing stop and he, he couldn't even figure out how bad it was. So then he regroups and, and goes from there. But there's there's some times where you, you question, should I be doing this for right. a living when you're with Al? And there's, there's other times. He makes you feel like family. So I would put Al Dunning as like a second dad. Wow. He's going to be honest with you, but you're going to have fun getting there. You know, every day on ranch is like at a college campus. It's just a big, big fun time. And but they're serious moments too. Man, that speaks volumes of 
because like you know in previous discussions i've had with people and they you know they say that a lot of people keep everything so guarded they don't want you to know their playbook so to speak yeah. but sounds to me like he's the kind of guy just oh he, he let down. you let you know everything you need to know and he might not say it with words but you can sit there and watch him while you're turning back for him and you're like okay well i need to be on that inside leg more and so the outside leg. you can see little things like that and with his internship program i mean that, that's phenomenal I think you get a lesson a day. I know with me, he'd teach me the insides. He'd call me in the office and let me in on phone calls, and we'd be sitting there just—I'd be sitting there just learning so much more than just about a horse. He knew, hey, well, we need to teach this guy the horse business. Right. So I've been on the—he's been on the phone with countless professionals that you would be going, oh my goodness, and I'm just sitting there in the corner, just soaking it all in, going, all right, so this is how you deal awesome. with the, your coworkers. This is how you deal with people you're competing against this is how you deal with your customers and still have a light heart about all of it there's a lot of jokes that he would play there was one one customer he came down from canada i believe and he came to pick up a pony for his grandson and he was just going to overnight at the barn it was a little paint pony and the girl that was working there at that time had a paint horse out in the pasture well al got her to switch him around and put the pony into the pasture in the big horse in the stall where the pony was and he put a thing a grow colt in front of it you know we got him on video coming in saying this is the stuff really works right. that man was so confused so it's lighthearted like that but your lessons it, it can get intense sometimes i think that's where this business goes whether it's what you guys do what i do what al does all three different things kind of but it's all about relationships it is it is yeah. you know we, it's fun to talk about al Jamie was so starstruck. We we ordered a cow track for a customer, and I was like, well, I'll just call Al. So I just dialed up the cell phone. Hey, hey, man, we need to dial this. Jamie's in the truck with me. She's going to take the order and let you know. It. Said, hey, Jamie, this is Al. And she she, she paused for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk to a movie star, but not. Like, that's that's you know, different. Being in the horse business my whole life, I think that those are the true stars to me. Yeah, so it's, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cal Middleton. That was the kid's name. I don't know if you ever run across Cal. Oh, we, we, know Cal. we love Do Cal. You know Cal? Really yeah. well. We, Cal's turned into one of our mentors. That is, he is, yeah. he so is amazing. If Cal's listening horseman. to this eventually, I would love to reconnect with him. It's been 20 years. I thought about him on the way over, and I almost texted him and said, Hey, where are you in America? Because you wanted another person. Yeah, man. And I Cal think he just came back one. from somewhere. Yeah, you know, when, when I was 20, 23 years old, when Cal, I was teaching at 23 years old, yeah. Cal was probably 18, 19, 20 yeah. at the time. So we're not that far apart. But he. Um, he didn't take my classes. I didn't really think there was a, a real love for horses, you know, yeah. other than like he would tell me stories about him growing up, like most people with the grandpa's horses right. or whatever. And then years later, find out he rode with Al. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's we, funny. Were, we were work. working in a ranch in Pennsylvania and he came through doing a clinic and we sat around and watched. We, we chatted for a while, but we sat around and watched the clinic and he said, you're going to ride with us or what? And so we went and got our horses out and he is so detail oriented that his clinics are amazing they're, really? they're fun a lot of fun see i don't know that cal I need, yeah, I he's to changed, to he's that changed cal. the way we do a lot of things well, he, he rode with yeah. peter campbell quite a bit and learned a lot of different ways yeah so, so i had cole cameron as a student too yeah. before yeah. cole cameron was cole cameron yeah before he was yeah. the cool guy yeah, me, and, <laughs> me and cole used to skip the cuttings sometimes at al's we were working there together and we wouldn't skip them but we weren't exactly loping horses like we should have been and sorry al if you hear this but we'd go to the local pizza joint and drink beer and watch the football game for a bit you know and just just have a good time cole's taking quite a turn in the horse world and i think road, road to the horse has made him a lot bigger but he'll he'll continue to grow absolutely well, let me let me add to that list so I know that you've ridden with JD too, Yates. Yep. I think of those guys, they're the same world, but different, very different oh, it's perspectives. And, and I don't know that either one of those guys personally. I've judged quarter horse shows since 04, and so I've dealt with JD a time or two. He definitely is a vocal guy. But, well, so let's um, just say he's a redhead. He, he definitely, he wears his heart on his sleeve for yep. sure. What are the two greatest lessons those two guys taught you? With JD, it was slow down. Don't be in such a hurry. You know, when you're roping like that, it's... Yeah, you're in a hurry, but you're still showing the horse. And watching him showed me you can multitask on a horse. He could make two corrections in one run where I can barely make one. You know, he's he's just amazing. But he would, I asked him how he did that, and he said, I just slow down. And so you slow down and look at that run and every little detail of it, and, and you're perfect. So 
that's we're, what we're, I learned. And you say slow down. We're talking about within a seven, eight minute run or seconds, seven, yeah, eight second yeah, seven, run eight second because run. these guys are roping head and heels. Right. And, but with JD, he's such a professional. I mean, that I think the professional athlete's mind is different. It is night and day different from your average Joe because they see things a lot quicker. You know, that it happens in a flash, but he could correct those two things. Like, let's say the horse is getting too close behind the steer. He's going to check that back, and he's still putting that right leg on to make sure the, the perfect drag through the corner. You know, so he can correct two things compared to one, and slowing his mind down is, I think, how he does that. With Al, it was that 1% rule. 1% better every day, and just keep grinding. And if you never quit, it keep works out perfect. Up. Yeah. I asked Jade Keller, who was at the barn at the time, I said, what do you think the secret to Al's longevity is? He said, well, he's changed events, so he's kept it interesting for himself. And he's the best smoozer you'll ever see in your life. So that was another lesson, how to deal with customers. He's one of the best. It just it goes back to that relationship. It's thing. all about those yeah. relationships. People want to feel important. Yeah. And if you make we them feel important, it's, it's That's good. Right. Yeah. That's funny you say that about the slowing down because I'm, I'm gonna tell you a quick this is what i think i could be wrong but i always wondered like when we compare like the the, the grand question right now in sports I'm a, i like sports is is it is lebron the best or is michael jordan the best well who really cares what makes to me what's the important question is amongst the greatest basketball players in the world these two guys are better so amongst the greatest horsemen there are in the world what makes a person better is a great question i think and here's what i think it is you know when you get we've all been bucked and you know like when it goes to heck real quick and you're in the process of getting bucked you can your mind slows down so much you're like okay where am i getting out of the situation how am i getting out of the situation how do i stay on this what did i have for dinner last night two weeks ago <laughs> i just said this and like your mind slows down yeah. so much so i wonder sometimes those guys that are the best of the best do they function that way in a normal setting? Like they can know. see things in slow motion almost. I think they, I don't know. I don't know. I think something that I'm really comfortable with will slow down and then other things that I'm not won't. So maybe in my mind, because they do it so much, everything just kind of, maybe that's it. They, they can think so, through everything. Yeah. They do it so okay. many times and, and like the meticulousness of it becomes just, maybe mm -hmm. that's it. Maybe it just yeah. becomes What do you think back to the first time you ever got bucked with? Do you, you don't remember that? You were I, too young. I remember once. I remember <laughs> one. I had a pony named Suey that was, yeah. and, and, and the first horse I ever showed was a two-year-old. Her barn name was Runny Bucky. Because <laughs> if she didn't run, she was bucking. If she didn't buck, she's running. So I do remember some of that. But do you remember the panic situation of what do I do there? And when you don't know and you haven't been there, it's, it's boom, boom. You're yeah, off. you're right. Yeah. And yeah. then years down the road now, if one bucks with you, like I said, you're slowing it down. You know, I got on one the other day that... As soon as my foot hit the stirrup on the right side, he took off bucking. And I couldn't get my handhold, I couldn't get my right stirrup, and I remember thinking slowly, all right, I need to exit. How am I gonna exit? I'm gonna go off to my left. All right, he's back underneath me again. Now what? I need to go to my left. Okay, he's underneath me again. Now what? Ow, my leg hurts, you know? Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's it, that's yeah. a good point. Maybe that's yeah. it. Just with experience, you start to figure some things out. Yeah. Well, let me let me say this like that i know that you and i met years ago and i can't even tell you how we met i don't remember not that it's all that important but i do remember the the topic of this mustang makeover thing is i think that's a tag you probably are going to be tagged with the rest of your life it's it's one of those fortunately unfortunately things you know we don't want a bunch of mustangs in the barn but you, know, you got a lot of publicity but, and, but and notoriety was, from that that was wonderful for publicity and we had a little horse named Owen, just the greatest little guy, still have him today, and we go ranch sorting on him now. He was just a special horse, and you spend eight hours with a horse every day for 100 days, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Kind of give us a quick rundown of how that process works. You, you, you get to pick them out, right? Well, you don't get to pick them out in that, in that year. It wasn't a pick-out deal. It was you get what you get, so they ran this little runny Mustang in there with a crooked face and a, you know, just a funny look. and. So they give you that Mustang, you go home 100 days and work with it, and then you come back and show. So it's what you can get done is what you can get done. They have different patterns that they do. They have a trail class, a little raining type class, and rail work. So you have those three classes, and they bring you back for the finals. And then that, you have another raining type pattern, and then you have your freestyle. 
So the top ten come back for those two classes. And, and how'd you do in those breakout events? Those breakout events, I was ninth place coming into the finals. So I oh, was wow. I was nothing. The judge didn't love me at that point. So must have made an impression towards the end. I think with those, I, I didn't know what to practice. And everybody else knew the patterns. So I'm kind of sitting there going, I, I'm not sure. I just got to get my horse broke. Where other people know the patterns. Well, you can practice that over and over and right, over. And then right. you're good to go. So those make it a little easier once you've competed. But during the freestyle, I knew my pattern. So I could really show my horse. And that's that's where he shined. They made up some ground then. He made up a lot of ground. And you still got him? Still got him today. He's, what, 14? Somewhere Something like that. Like that. Somewhere 14, around 15. 14 years old. Were you, were you in the, was it 14 when you were in that? Yep, it was, it was 2014 for He's that 16. He's 16. He's 16 now. There you go. Wow. Math, math is a hard yeah. subject for me. <laughs> I don't want him to get older. <laughs> he still starts colts. You know, we'll use him to start colts on and use him at sortings and went to the roping pen the other day and roped on him, healed on him a little bit. And he still loves chasing a cow and, and getting down. So, so he's converted domestic now. He is 100% domestic. <laughs> he is he is more than domestic now. What, what do you think was the biggest difference in, in training a horse like that versus what you see in typical domestic horses or day-to-day -day training the mustangs are almost easier once you gain the trust really they are because you don't have any screw-ups you don't have something from somebody halter breaking where they let him get away with you know xyz that you have to fix and then that transfers into his thinking later in life when you get a saddle on him well i can get away with this so maybe i'll try this with a mustang you know they're scared for their life and once they realize they're not it just turns a corner and then they start to trust you and anything you say is like okay we'll, we'll try it and they don't seem to be scared of the typical things that horses are scared of you know obstacles or you know the leaves or a bag yeah. Yeah, yeah stuff like that most yeah. of them i guess some yeah. of them <laughs> yeah they've probably seen it all they've i don't even know if they've seen it or they just think <laughs> i've had to fight way worse in right. my life right i'm gonna just categorize problematic horses i'm sure that you see some of that right you see <laughs> we a lot some of some standing around you in the barn today i mean yeah, what's some of the scenarios that you have to deal with or maybe the the top end problematic or reoccurring problems you see reoccurring problems would be trailer loading which i never thought would be a thing you know getting in a trailer what would you say you see them too oh they're so random there's a lot of like buddy sour stuff yeah. um which you just work them through it and they're usually fine um, we've had one come in that you couldn't get on like the the issue was putting weight in that stirrup and getting over him another one from i think the same place that had an issue when you stepped on him and he saw you from the other side so it's just going back and filling in those holes i'm not saying you're pessimistic all the time i'm just saying you we've established that we have these two different approaches Elevate horsemanship kind of sounds positive. I'm, I'm going to say that Taylor came up with that name. <laughs> How'd uh, you guess? But what do you see your personalities? How do they lend to complementary to different problems that you see? Or do you do you take some horses and you work better with them in working through those problems versus Taylor? You know, it's funny. I'm different with horses than with people. I honestly, I think more horses can be fixed than say Taylor. I mean, we've had different opinions on horses that come in before where I'm like, now we'll get through that. It's fine. And he's like, no, 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 we won't. And you know, now I ride one of those horses every two weeks to go loper and she's great. <laughs> so now I think most, most problems with horses can be fixed. Like there are very few out there that can't. So not, not so negative when it comes to that. Yeah, no, she, she's not, but with people, she, well, that person will never learn. You know, that right. type of thing. They'll, they'll never get that. Where with people, I'm more positive. Well, they'll get it. And then the horse is like, I'm not sure we can change that right away. That's I think with people, they have a mind of their, more of a mind of their own. So they can decide whether they want to learn or not. And they might not even realize that they don't want to learn. But a lot of people don't. They're very It, it stuck. takes a different approach. Like, I, I'm thinking when you guys are talking about that, like, I can remember I had these two horses I was riding for myself and showing. One of them, I could hear the wheels turning in his head, and his head was, what would you like for me to do? And and he was like, aye, aye, captain. Versus I could get off him and get on to the mare, and I would tell her, like, hey, you're going to do this. And she would be like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. So it had to be a complete mind shift when you get on them. And personally, like from my personality, I'm very black and white. So it's hard. That's very hard for me to adapt. Yeah. 
one plus one is two and let's just go one plus one is two let's not try to figure out one plus one plus two minus two more is two right see what i mean yeah people and horses are different i will i will go there teaching a horse is way easier than teaching people when people their mind wander like you're saying and they go all over the place so if you can bring them back to ground zero again and say let's just start over just start over it helps a lot with horses it's so much simpler because it is black and white with horse training it's there's no in-between ground this is how we do it that's what we do but you have to reward every try with the colts and the problem horses that we deal with if you're not rewarding every single try they're never going to get it but you got to gain ground again you know once they try okay now we've established that now we've got to bump it up but that has to become black and white then so the try is not good enough anymore now we've got to get more and that's something that's hard for people to understand they want to keep on on oh he tried so i need to quit we're a year later down the road why are we quitting on a try now right well i learned that at the clinic yes that was ground one now we need to advance a little so that's feel that's feel. <laughs> <laughs> you have to feel when to stop doing yeah. that correct me if i'm wrong but i think we started in just chit chat discussion me and, and taylor and that uh to pat or not to pat yeah no. and so i i teach the concept constantly of cue response reinforce easy it's really yeah. easy. the approach yeah. is easy yeah. uh years ago i was riding with well, I was down in Texas riding with Mozon McKibben, mm -hmm. and I, I like the release. So I'm thinking, like, I'm doing something. I give him the break. I give him the release, whatever. He's like, you need to start patting your horses more. Like, what, are you, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, they like it. They need it. And he's not like a horse petter type yeah. all over, but yeah. he's like, just a quick pat on the neck, rub on the neck. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I, he's better than me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. And I think he has – there's something there. I think something it works. Did. Yeah. What do you think? To pet or not to pet? I think, I think there's a difference what I do. I think I'm still touching the horse. But I pet, I don't pet. So there's a difference there. And, you know, that's one of me and Jamie's biggest biggest arguments, and I don't think it'll ever be solved. She's not, not it, will, it will be solved. I mean, it's it's very simple solution. Well, I will pet a horse that is scared. I will pet a horse if it's okay with it. And if it's not, it needs to get okay with it. Right. <laughs> so... No, it's just that simple. And, and we had a, like a flat out argument one day, probably a month into dating. Stop <laughs> patting horses. You're not supposed to pat horses. It's all I've ever been taught. Pet them. It's like their mom would do or how I like it's a, a psychological oh, thing. Oh, you really boil it down to the, oh, yeah. the approach. It's not right. a pat. It's a it's pet. A pet. It's not yeah. a pet. So at that point, we didn't have a TV service or internet service <laughs> in the house. So we just had DVDs of Al Dunning and put in one on maybe spinning or something out I, I don't know and he works his horse and then he stops and then he reaches down and pats the crap out of his horse and i was like well your mentor said it yeah, so i guess I'm must, okay. be real. Yeah. must be real so must be. al you got me in trouble that time yeah. thanks a lot i never thought about it. I'm, i think I'm, my, my approach is probably more pat yeah like reassurance yeah yeah i've seen my horses react or respond to that with a little bit improved confidence and i think that we don't recognize that sometimes right like horses do respond they get to be a little bit more showy or ready when you've improved their confidence and yeah i've seen some improvement with that yeah they, they do and it, i think it's a reassurance but it's to me it's how you get there not not what you're doing it's how you get there mm -hmm. is it what's the energy in there and that's one thing that Jamie's really good with. You know, she can change her energy for a horse that might be a little bit scared of everything. And it makes it really hard to ride colts behind her because my energy's not the same and I yeah. might forget to change mine real quick. And it's like the horse is on edge all of a sudden. A prime example, she got on a horse at a clinic that the client was on and the client was, it was rearing up every three steps or so and the, the lady had just gotten on the horse. Jamie got on it. She did maybe two minutes of groundwork and then got on the thing and just relaxed. And when she did, this horse just laid down. I mean, it literally laid down. It gave up all that extra energy that it had and totally relaxed. And that, to me, that's a total submission of a horse. If they lay down with you, they feel that comfortable that you're not going to get them. They take away their, their flight mechanisms. Right. 
I mean, that... It's just proof that they can feel our intentions and our energy. We know that, and we teach that, and we learn that, but we don't often see it, and that's... Let's compound that just a bit then. So we talked about problematic horses, but what are problematic people? And then you, you, you identify that, then you put the two and two together. Now you got a third entity to try to solve. So what are the common problems that people have that are, and I, I guess nov if they're novice versus more advanced, maybe that's a different story, but... That, that's a big one. They're on edge, they're scared of their horse, or worried it's gonna do something. And so we work to try to get them to relax, breathe. That alone will change their horse. It really will. Just getting comfortable. Yeah, getting comfortable. Getting, I will lay in bed at night, and I, this isn't my Apple Watch, but I'll sit there with a Fitbit or Apple Watch and watch my heart rate, and just breathe through it and bring it down. And I don't know, it's just something intense. stupid that I hate. <laughs> you are <int> you're intense. <laughs> but I can do that on a horse too. Like I've, I've worked with myself enough to be able to sit on a horse that is, you can feel their heart rate through your legs and you know, they're ready to just jump through the roof and just bring it down and it brings their energy down. That reminds me, it's been probably 15 years ago or so. I was at the NRBC, Katy, Texas. and. I was standing in the back watching the, the, it was the night of the finals and Jordan Larson was warming his finals horse up in the practice pen. And it was like, I could just tell by the look on his face. It was like, it was just another day at the office. Yeah. He was so mm -hmm. relaxed, no sweat. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, of course he shows a million times more than I do, but I'm thinking like, I'm going into the finals of the world show and I'm back in the back. Man, I'm pumped <laughs> up, right? yeah. nervous energy. Right. It's just a different, different day. And there are people that can change that right quick, like Jamie can. I hate going against her in a cult starting competition. Absolutely hate it because she's so chill and she's relaxed. So you can actually recognize it yes. and mentally do something about it. I can. I, I may still you, be nervous, but I that just... Way or did you get to that? I had to make myself that way. And how do you do that? I don't know. Laying in bed at night, just working on <laughs> working, breathing working on and just bringing my heart rate down. It just works. Just do it, right? it does because I don't like crowds. I don't like a lot of people. It scares me. And so it's having a microphone to you, give oh, you a wild gosh. horse. You got to read that and you got four hours. Let's see what you can do. So yeah. that first 15 minutes is a train wreck and a cult starting. But <laughs> right. after that, I can get it together and kind of work through things. Well, I think in the cult starting world, if at a competition, once you settle in with the horse, you're gold. You know, you read those little things and then you're good to go. And Jamie's headed there, what, in March, February, February to a big one in Tennessee. And so she's going to have to have her game face on. And I'm glad I'm not in the other pen against her. Because I've been there before. And yeah, I just put a wig on. I think it's all girls. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't let me in. It's, it's but, only open to females? It is. I think they're doing a few years of all girls. And so that'd be the first all girl one I've been in. Yeah. Normally have to beat She's the guys usually, too. <laughs> usually against the guys and she won one up in Virginia and I was the pen help and she said I talked too long on the microphone. I don't get that. You don't understand that now, do you? Clay? Yeah, right. No, not right. at all. Anyhow, so <laughs> we're up there and she wins that one against all the guys and I put cowboy killer from Ian Munsick on on the radio on the way out and blast and she's so humble over here, just no, 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 stop that. And I'm you just killed him. You just killed him. So do you have uh, like a, a mental approach? Are you, are you watch other people you're competing against? Do you just worry about yourself? Do you conceptualize the run? Do you trust in what you've prepared at home or what, what's your approach? I have to trust in it. You know, the first few I did was a lot of watching the other round pen and trying to catch up and I didn't do well in those. Um, I have to pay attention to what's going on in mine. The last one I was in, in Virginia, I, I don't know what they did. I really have not a clue. But just to trust what I'm doing, that's something that's been really hard to grasp. We teach it every day, every lesson. We teach it to our horses here. You know, you ask them to do something, they understand it, and then you stop and you trust that they retain that for the next time you go work them. Well, doing that in a colt starting, it's like you want to hammer on them and, you know, go to put the saddle pad on them. You want to do it 25 times to make sure they stand perfect. If you would stop when they stand perfect once, then the next time they will understand that's what you're supposed to do. Or, you know, with stopping or back, any anything really that you ask of them, once they understand it, stop. Trust it, trust your program, and if you don't, then why are you there, I guess. Right, it's time to show. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. No, train, train's over. It's, it's really hard, because you <laughs> yeah. know you've got oh, know. three, four hours, and, and if it doesn't work, <laughs> 
And I, the one of the things I've learned in that perspective, again, this is just my, my one of the approaches I had in the back when we're warming up. I don't watch nobody. Can't. I'll be sick to my stomach if I'm watching you go compete. I'm like, I set the bar. Like you, I watch you, and then I think, okay, I got to, I got to go to that. Right. Well, maybe I can beat that. I don't know, but. Now it's in my head, so I don't watch. <laughs> You're stuck. But you I go in the yourself. back, man. I go through the. I go through all the buttons with my horses. Like they have very different cues to do different things, and so I put them in a gate, so to speak. Let's say they extend a trot, and then I do everything I can to try to make them lope, except give them the cue. Yeah. I may bump them with my legs too much. I may ride them with my spur a little bit too hard because I know when I go out there, I'm going to be a little on the muscle. Right. And I don't want. You don't, you don't want that they don't little give it bit of cue. When they yeah. stay there. Now I know I'm ready. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Now in a pattern class, I'll watch all day, but that's just me memorizing the pattern. I'm, like, <laughs> right. I'm a little slow on the paper, so I've got to see it done, and then it's it's good. But as far as trying to watch other competitors, it's you see that bar get set pretty high, yeah. and then you get pessimistic. Well, you, so, you yeah. go out there and try to beat that rather than just trying to beat yourself. And yeah, exactly. You lose every time. Well, as the optimist <laughs> approach, then yeah. do you have a different approach than what she and I are talking about? I do. I try to be that guy that sets the bar. I'm the guy that try to make you make a mistake. So if I can do really well and do something a little fancier, I'm going to try. I'm going with it because I know I can nail it. You know, and that's that's something I've practiced before. It might not have been so. A show world is way different than a colt starting, because colt starting, you haven't worked with this horse at all. You just met it. You know, it's right. Let's go get it on and see what happens. So you got to read it. So I might practice it once or twice in the round pen, but I know I got it. Where in showing a horse, well, I've practiced it millions of times at home. You just don't know I'm going to throw it at you. So that way, if the person going is watching, the one behind me is watching maybe they, I can make them make a mistake. You know, and you look at the judges, they're just people. Make them reward you with those mistakes, not the other people, if that makes sense. Um, so if they're just people and maybe they didn't see it, maybe my facial expression can show, hey, I didn't do it. I'm, I'm perfect. I'm, yeah. Didn't you see me? You know, and, yeah. and, and I've thought so many times, I tell people this, maybe I'm the only one, but I come out and I'm thinking, that was terrible. Yeah. I'm walking out of the pen, I'm like, I'm embarrassed. That was terrible. Yeah. And then I watched the video run of it. I'm like, that's pretty good. Wasn't that <laughs> but if you look at that, and you've been in that judge's chair before, as you're walking out, what does your face do when you think it's terrible? It tells the story. It tells everything. Yeah. So that judge, even if he missed something, he might look at your face and uh, you just minus one for nothing. No <laughs> I, reason. I'm going to tell you from the judge's chair. Yeah. Uh, I've had an NRHA judge's card for 14, 15 years. And I'm telling you, you watch. 90% of the time, if an exhibitor overspends, they spend five times instead of four, they'll fix their hat. <laughs> or they'll go to their face. like yeah. well, There's some kind of signal. Because they know. You know, Or they'll look outside the pen. Or, if they just take the right <laughs> lead and go on, you would never even know. That's right. I, it's, well, I'm going to count spins. That's a rule number one. <laughs> but what I, my point is, if there's any question... Yeah. You've just now solidified it for exactly. me by yeah. the telltale signs. Exactly. Yeah. So this. Hey, Jamie, then tell me something about this competition you're going to. Tell me about what your expectations are. Kind of said it already that you compete with yourself, which I relate to. But tell us about your horse. What's uh, your, the is horses, this the first time you there, I guess? It is the first time I'll have been to that particular expo. Not the first time with these horses. Um, so the horses come from Lost Creek Quarter Horses in Tennessee. What, Lebanon? Lebanon, Tennessee, yeah. I own one. I, my mom owns one. So I, I love their horses. They're really great to work with. And they're one you don't want to pick a fight with them because you will lose every time. But other than that, they're dang nice horses. Uh, is it the same breakout events, like a, uh, almost a versatility ranch horse type of a... No, it's, a col it's the colt starting. Oh, so it's just yeah. from... It's yeah. from scratch. From Brand new, all, two or three-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. Draw a horse and... Starting that day. About three hours, and then there's the finals. Yeah. Something so like that. Nice. They're barely halter broke. The guy gets it where you can lead them across the pen, and then he turns them loose. That's it. And how far do you think you'll get with them? Like, what's your expectation? All the way. Through the, the obstacle get, course. Getting on them. Oh, yeah. 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 That's well, probably, awesome. You know, the, the goal is always to walk trot low first round just to get that on the on the scorecard. With those, you kind of have to play the scorecard as much as you can without getting yourself hurt or bucked off. And so you don't you don't have a clue who your horse is or nothing no. like that? No. Okay. I think they're bringing 
Phillies? I don't know. No, they may not, have, announced, they may not have announced yet. Well, that, that takes a ton of confidence, I think, to step out there in that <laughs> arena for sure. Or just fake it, like I do. Well, you look confident to me. I think you'll be all right. You know, we, I try to keep these around 45, 50 minutes, and I can't believe we're already at 45. It's crazy. But I always like to ask one good closing question. So you can take this on the periphery or you can take it deep, either one you want. What would you say most people misunderstand about you? Go you ahead. shoot first there, Sunshine. I, I need to think about it. Go ahead. <laughs> I think the thing they misunderstand about me personally is I'm not just a character. You know, it's you see it on videos or you, you come to clinics and all this fun stuff, but there's more to me than just the horse thing. You know, that, there, there's a lot more. And, you know, it's, it's hard to get to know somebody through that. And like we were talking about Al. Well, Al, there's more to him than just the horse thing. You know, he loves to go fishing and golfing and those type things. He's just a good character of a guy. And I don't think people see that in the other parts of life, you know, the, the other enjoyments we get. We'll have clients say, hey, you want to come on a trail ride? Well, not, not necessarily. <laughs> let's right. go play a round of golf or something. Right. Let's, let's go do something a little different. Let's go ride the jet skis or something fun. Let's get as far away from a horse as you can. And I think you need those moments quite a bit just to, to reflect and go back and enjoy horses. Because you can get burnt out in this business really quick. You know, it's seven days a week, and it's it's constant, absolutely constant. Your phone's always ringing. And I had a little conversation with a friend the other day, I guess it was yesterday, on trying to stay balanced. If I can ever find balance, I'll let you know how to do it. But, right, please do. <laughs> yeah, until it's then, hard. It's, it, it takes it's hard, a while. hard in this business. And that's one thing people don't, the, the customers I don't think will ever understand, is you are a person outside of horses. So, sure. You just solidified something I have an idea about. I want to do, I want to start a series of podcasts about horses and hobbies. Yeah. For that very reason. You know, my buddy, Todd, you know, Todd Martin and Bernie? No. NRHJ trainer guy, great guy. He and I have a common hobby. Another buddy of mine in Florida, he's from uh, Gainesville. He and I are motorcycle riders. Yeah. So we're going to do a Horses and Harleys episode. Yeah, you know what I mean? You, you need you, something perfect. besides Absolutely. horses for yeah, sure. We've been looking at the Indian motorcycles ourselves. Nice. Get away not, from those Harley nothing guys. Nothing bad yeah. with Hey, man, the Indian's <laughs> not a bad bike. It's an American-made bike. That's right. The first, right? Uh, yeah, well, according <laughs> to 1901, no yeah. <laughs> those are nice bikes for sure. I yeah, ain't no doubt no, about we, that. We definitely have to have those hobbies outside of it. Yeah, to keep us uh, – that, that balance is something that took me a long time to figure out. I'm yeah. not saying I've got it down pat yet, but right. it's definitely – important people it's, it's so funny you say that too about let's go trail riding uh i got a couple graduate students they see me a few times they've seen me really stressed and like you need to get out and just go trail riding that's, I, that's the last thing i want to do <laughs> no you'll fix everything about that horse on the trail and i don't want to do trail riding i don't want to go scuba diving and see a seahorse i mean right. let's just be real here oh my gosh i think the last trail ride we went on we were <sighs> like rescuing children because their <laughs> parents had absolutely no clue what was going on and we're going down this just straight down mountain we've got a six-year-old on an english saddle with no stirrups and another one on another saddle with no stirrups and taylor's grabbing one i'm grabbing the six-year-old and throwing him on my horse while his horse is trying to kill mine it was just a no. nightmare like i don't ever want to trail ride again i was in wyoming years ago with my brother and my best friend and his brother on a 10-day pack trip and we uh just can't not horses or i guess not pack camped out you know yeah. what i mean and they're like let's go trail let's go ride horses I'm like really no, <laughs> they don't they're, they're city boys and they're like, yeah. all right let's go we get there first thing the guy that runs the facility is like any of y'all ride Nope. Nope. Mm -mm. Not at all. Not me. <laughs> no, you didn't say no every time. You're going to get the worst horse yeah. ever. You get the one lucky is his name. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. One ear, one eye, right. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have an answer for that, Jamie? What's the... I, I think so. A lot of people think I'm... Uh really confident i think and somewhat unapproachable and generally i'm just kind of stuck in myself a little anxious and trying to avoid people so yeah. it's not that you know i'm maybe that's what attracts you to horses is it is yeah. um i think a lot of really good horse people have a lot of trauma in there and i have my fair share i think taylor does too we all man we all probably do. do yeah um and so i gain my confidence with a horse so if I can stand there with one, I'm good. That's what I love about people like y'all is that, and that, that's what I want to do with this podcast is everybody I've had on so far, 
has recognized the fact that we're all just people. Yeah. Yeah. From different backgrounds, got different perspectives. But the thing is, we're not trying to tell everybody, you know, like Facebook. Sometimes you look at Facebook, it sounds like everybody's got it together. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And we well, that's what you have to show. Right. Yeah, right. That's just part of the business. We of just this. choose not to post that part. Yeah. We yeah. don't post the ones that are bucking for a reason. <laughs> well, this is kind of to the end of this stuff. But I want you to tell me, I want you to tell me too, kind of about Elevate Horsemanship. Give yourself, obviously, a plug for sure. And I will definitely put more info on our description of this podcast plus by the time it comes out i'm sure you'll be through your event so maybe yeah. i can even put a link to That'd be awesome how you did and yep. what happened and all that kind of stuff yeah picture of the buckle yeah picture picture of the buckle. The buckle. <laughs> there it is that's perfect heck yeah no confidence so there. how'd you, how'd you get to elevate horsemanship mr positive well <laughs> i mean we got to keep going up all right, right? That's, that's all it's about we got to elevate so we were just kicking around names one night like what can we call it when da, 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 da. we can't do the equine thing because then they're going to send donkeys and you know you can't do that so horsemanship sounds great and then we went with elevate because that's what you're doing every time we're trying to get you better that's our whole goal is to get people better you know the name of this resonates and, and our slogan kind of is help horses help people make a profit if it doesn't do those three things why are we doing this there's no point so that's kind of where we go and we've kicked off a new thing here lately and it's not just i mean we'll start off with we do clinics we do lessons and we do training and now we've got the videos going on so we put them on patreon and go to patreon.com backslash elevate horsemanship and for ten dollars a month you can get every video we produce and we keep adding we've added what two this week yeah we're trying to do one every day i think we've added two or three this week we'll have another one today yeah so if we just do one a day i mean you're getting lessons at home for 10 bucks a month who who wouldn't do that you know you're going to have your average problems you're going to have different ways of solutions and it's jamie and i both are coming up with ideas and she doesn't like being on the camera a whole lot but Shit, some of them are her ideas. Well, she's yeah. definitely the the prettier of the pair, right? So you she's should the probably one that put should her be. on more. Exactly, yeah. but I just gotta get her on there. Do you want to be on camera? No, no, no. So we're gonna push her until she is. I'll have so. to get a tripod though, because Taylor's not real good at holding the camera. So. Yeah. <laughs> you, need, you need a GoPro or something that kind yeah. of does the whatever yeah. takes out the balance. We looked at getting a drone. I think that'd be the best idea to hold it steady and and can see what she's doing. I gotta bring my kid up here to. You know, it's, yeah. it's a big big production. And what about the facility that you're running out of? So here at Oak Meadows, we rent the barn and get to use the arenas and all the cow tracks and all this stuff. We have, you know, the cow tracks at home, but we just use hers because it's in the indoor over there. And it, it makes life a lot easier. This is in Vincent, Alabama. Um we probably got twenty stall barn here. There's eleven in here and there's more over in the other barn. And more down at the bottom barn. Yeah, more at yeah. the bottom barn, so we can we can fit quite a quite a bit of horses in here. Yeah, and keep it rolling. So we try to stay full and you know start in the morning and end of the evening and teach lessons yeah. in between. So teach lessons. Show them. We we do have cows here too, so we try to introduce yeah. everything to. Well, I think it's a great approach to things. And years ago when we met and you came over to Starkville and helped help my students, you definitely made an impression on Keaton. And yeah. I think y'all still stay in touch. And yeah, this sucker almost still calls every me day. every yeah. day. <laughs> What's funny about Keaton, let me tell you, and then we're done, is Keaton, I've been telling him the same stuff you told him yeah. for months prior to you being there. And then when Taylor leaves, Keaton tries to teach me. <laughs> What Taylor told, taught him. Like, Keaton. Well, maybe he can works. teach Phil, and we just See, don't have it. Y'all just don't have it. I've got it. Evidently, Keaton responds well to Taylor. So, man, I appreciate y'all letting me come over today and do this because it's, it's a. I love face to face. I love getting in, yeah. in there and making contacts. Again, like I said, it's all about relationships. So. Yep. Appreciate you all letting me be a part of this. We'll definitely pump you on taking the reins and all the, the social media stuff that we have. So that, awesome. Yeah, well, we appreciate you driving this far. No, kid. That's hard. a long drive. You bet. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Taking the Reins. A special thank you goes to the Mississippi State Extension Service and the MSU Animal and Dairy Sciences Department. Please visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Taking the Reins Podcast.